Hello and welcome to another episode of Defy the Norm. So I'm really excited because I have a special guest on today. It's my new and improved husband who is now a rock climber. So, uh, okay, we're just going to get straight into it. You're going to love this episode. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Okay, yes, you heard that right. So Victor is back on. It's like, it's almost like he's now part of the podcast. He's on with me every day. It's like, who knows, we might be turning a new leaf, turning over a new leaf, even though we are in the Great Smokies. And I was a little disappointed today that um, the leaves really haven't changed colors much. But side note, side note. Okay, so we are talking all about, you know, chakras and Manipura. And, you know, because... Uh, I mean, we could just say that this is something that I've been manifesting for a really long time. We've been traveling full-time for six years. And I think now, finally now, my husband is in the space of travel and open-mindedness that makes it so fun and so fulfilling that I've been dreaming of for a long time. And basically that sums up to, I just want... Not like, yes, dear, you know, like, hey, can you pick up a gallon of milk on the way home? Yes, dear. More like, hey, I was thinking we would go on a road trip tonight and we'll just pack our toothbrush. And if we come across a hotel, we'll just spend the night in the hotel for having a lot of fun and we don't want to go back to the campground. Yes, dear. Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're doing tonight. But it was, so we've been rock climbing in uh, Red River Gorge. And as Victor's about to tell you when I stop talking so much that he doesn't love rock climbing at all. In fact, he wrote this great blog that I need to publish about why rock climbing is like his nemesis. He just can't stand it. He's like, I love you so much, but why did you have to pick this sport? Of all sports that you could have picked, why rock climbing? So we're going to get into that. And, uh, you know, it's it's, um, something that maybe we'll talk about too in other podcasts. It says a lot that, you know, relationships are hard enough which is normal stress. Like besides having to be on a rope 30, 40 feet in the air and complicate things. So, I'm really proud of uh I'm really proud of Victor for sticking with it. I'm really really proud about this experience in rock climbing that he had the other day because I think I've always said rock climbing kind of became a metaphor for life and you really don't know a lot about yourself until you are 10, 20, 30 feet off the ground. And you could say like, oh, I have no fears. I have no fears, but I've taken a lot of people rock climbing, even just indoor. And to see what happens when all of a sudden you start, they start climbing up and they look down and see the ground below them. And when you can overcome those fears, uh, maybe we'll get into like how Jariah did too, this last trip. It's just going to trickle into everything else in your life. Okay. Long intro, long Okay, tell us, Victor. What do you what? You almost had a near death experience. I'm just kidding. No, I, I didn't. Have to so stop I mean, sarcastic. the first thing is like I don't, I don't 
hate rock climbing. I think the biggest thing is, you know, you said 10, 20, 30, 40 feet. I'm like, wait a second. Some of these suckers feel like they're up 60, 70, 80 feet, you know, up. And that's where I think people start to, you know, 20, 30 feet, I actually still look pretty good. And then I start getting a lot higher and it really freaks me out. So when I, here's sort of my evolution, um, why I was sort of scared of rock climbing first off it all started with a groupon and i knew even then i'm like you know i got a little issue with heights but robin booked this groupon you know suck it up buttercup just deal with it and finally did all the climbs just fine relatively easy grade so it was easy um so let, real quick in case you did, first time meeting us listening to this um we didn't really adventure much when we had were having kids but then once the fourth was born, I mean, we really did. We were like total suburbia family. Never had gone camping, pool in the backyard, barbecues. That was our extent of our adventuring. And then our fourth was born and life got complicated. Victor had full-blown adrenal exhaustion. It was horrible. For about six months, it was really, really bad. And then as he started getting better, I was like, we need to go on an adventure. We need to do something different. In fact, we were in Hawaii, and I remember distinctly being in Hawaii going like, mm, I don't want to keep coming to Hawaii. We got to go do something something else. And so we rented an RV, went on a road trip. That was back in 2009. And, of course, I fall in love with it then. And it was very, that in itself was really stressful uh, on our marriage because Victor was still kind of in his adrenal exhaustion, which really means he just had so much trouble regulating his blood sugar, so much anxiety, depression, things like that. And so then we went further to like Tatiana was born. And then by the time I was done breastfeeding her, I was just like, I am so done with this traditional lifestyle of rat race and no excitement. So I, so I started surfing. We were camping. We had bought an RV. We were camping more often. Started surfing. I'm like, all right, this is great. And I remember it was right before Christmas. I was like, hmm, what am I going to get us for Christmas? Or maybe it was just it happened to be because actually we went, I remember before Christmas, it was in November. I'm like, hey, Victor, there's this thing called rock climbing. I had never, never heard of rock climbing. had no idea really what it was. That's how sh- I'm pretty sheltered life until I met Victor and then he exposed me to so many different things in (laughs) culturally no like we had never like seriously before we met I was like go to school do my homework play sports and And, work and work that's true I was working in high school so anyways I go let's go rock climbing okay so let's cut to this was would have been in 2014 the end of 2014 that we first started going rock climbing okay so do you remember go ahead to that first experience he's like ah it'll just be a phase 2015 was when we moved out of our house in coronado and into an rv that we thought was going to be temporary and so we had our i had already caught the climbing bug and pretty much when we moved into our rv it started out as like chasing rock climbing crags do you remember that first trip we were going like in the pukes Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were that first trip. It was going through the pukes, and I and I have to say, the only thing that was, um, in some ways, easier is that you know you were the one leading and setting setting routes at that point, and you weren't. You're always looking for lower grade stuff. Um, but as with each kid and each trip, I kept going. Well, you know, I'll start. 
I'll start climbing a little bit more when, you know, when Gabby starts doing it. And then, okay, when Isabel starts doing it. Well, this last trip, Jariah went from being afraid to climb a 5'8 to leading, what was the highest grade? 10D. 10D. Oh, no, he even led an 11A. He just didn't send it. Yeah, he led, he the... led 11A. So he his skill set improved so powerfully. And then it just happened alongside having um, conversations with Robin on this last trip when we were in Red River Gorge about what was potentially a deeper route. Because honestly, I could easily have, have written it off many, many times. Well, first off, my family's the most important thing in the world to me. So I was... I was grinding it out, but I kept writing it off like, oh, you know, it's no good. I felt like Maverick, you know, getting back into the, getting back into the saddle. And it's, I can't engage. You won't engage. You won't engage. Um, because I would just say, oh, you know, I'm a little too tired today or I'm a little, I had a hard workout for a long time. You know, when we indoor climbed and we were in San Diego, I was still training really hard in jujitsu. So I was do would do some tough rounds and when i'd show up to climb i just didn't have much i was pretty sore and tired but the thing was that was hard is it wasn't even just like oh no it's okay i'm not i'm not gonna climb today you get so angry and mad on the wall and then we'd be like we'll either climb and be happy or just be happy not climbing it's right. okay but there was something that inside you that was like you had we'd already talked about this in uh, yesterday's episode i believe but the expectation wasn't aligning with the action. I expect to be good on the wall, but my action is like, so, oh my gosh. I'm yeah. Sorry. So initially I thought the issues associated with why I was had difficulty with it weren't a lack of strength. Potentially how I move, skill set, my build, sure. But it was mostly a height. And then I'm like, oh, I have trust issues. I don't trust people with the rope who are belaying me. Remember, most of the time I'm safe. I'm connected to a rope. They lead climb. And so this goes beyond... Um, a safety thing. I'm not. I'm not leading in many cases, so I'm not necessarily taking a great fall. Uh, but then I, we had a conversation where on the gorge, and Robin goes, "You know, how you're reacting could be linked to a programming slash trauma issue, and less to do with your heights." Oh, it's so obvious because he'd be on the wall, and it would just hit a trigger. And I understand, like, if it was your first time, that that trigger would would. Um, be a problem. Yeah, thank you. Be flipped. But it was more, but it was, I mean, we're talking seven years of this now, eight years of this actually. And so it got to a point that I'm like, it from the ground, I'm looking and going, it looks like you get to a po point where you feel uncomfortable and a program gets released that I'm uncomfortable. I need to flee. And I mean, it's yeah, not. Yeah, but it's pretty, uh, this is pretty powerful. Um, and sorry to interject, but. Just being uncomfortable is something that I would say, well, you know, that's our thing when we train jiu-jitsu, learning to be uncomfortable, learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. The difference was it, this one took me so outside my box that this, the discomfort literally was hitting a nerve that I could not so there control. Was a, so right? then there's another, exactly, that was what I was going to say. It's the control. It's that I'm uncomfortable and out of control yeah and that because in jujitsu even if you're uncomfortable you still feel like you have to some extent control of the situation you can always tap or you have control of like oh i have this arsenal of moves that i can pull out so what do you think okay let's let's run down um what 
what was the motivation? Like what, what made you feel like, okay, so this time, because what happened, we were out there climbing and he saw, uh, it was our last day in the gorge and Jariah, like we said, climbed an 11A, then I climbed the 11A and then we went over to find him a shorter route because it's true. Like the height is one, one part of the issue. So we're, we always try to look for something that's in like the 30 to 40 foot range, because I know not to be like, I'm nurturing it, but I was, I'm trying to be logical and systematic about it. Like, Hey, you really want to climb. Let's go through like the progress that I would do with the kids because I've gotten the, most of the other kids to, to break free of their fear and climb, not all of them, but some of them are, they're getting better. Uh, Danny and Tatiana are still a little timid, uh, but they'll do some really short walls and if it's low incline. And so we said, okay, we went over to this other route. I'm like, this is a really good one. Um, and I, I presented it, remember like, hey, you're going to do it three times. Do you think that was the motivation, just how we set it up? Or do you think like, no, 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 I'd already like told myself, yeah, well, I'd already told myself I was going to climb, except that we went to this wall and the gorge is, Red River Gorge is, is almost all overhang. Um, and so if you, if you fail and you're on top rope, you're going to go, wow, swing way out. And, and, uh, and so that was, plus it's like, again, I know what, if I'm being systematic about it, I can't. I really can't do those well. It's going to set me up for success. Um, so I, I kind of knew that that I needed and I've been working a few weeks on, on, um, doing what's, those chakra meditations. Yeah, doing my chakra meditations and we uncovered a little bit about my programming and I scratched at the surface and I was basically came to the conclusion that I had been reliving some sort of tr the trauma that was, you know, powerfully in my life instead of it just being, and I said to myself, I am literally giving into that that fear of of that trauma as opposed to just dealing with the heights thing. And so then from then, when I came to that conclusion with Robin after we spoke, I'm like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to climb whatever. I'm not letting this. I thought it was over. This this is not gonna control. Well, me. we got to this crag and I'm like, oh gosh, this is the perfect one because Jariah, it was the one he had started leading when we were there um, like two weeks ago. And so if I knew it was within his range and my, it came down after I had set up the rope for the first time, I'm like, okay, you're going to do it three times. First time, you're just going to climb it on top rope and you're just going to climb slow enough that you can feel everything out. Like really notice each handhold, um, notice like how you're feeling when you get to each draw. Um, really try, just try to take in, He's you're very sensory oriented anyway. So I said, just try to really take in the, the experience the first time. Then the second time you'll lead it up until when you want to stop. If some at any point uh that you want to stop leading it, just come down. It's fine. I'll go back and relead it. But just just see if you can lead it um maybe halfway. No no expectation on yourself. Because I had just done the same thing for myself on this other um uh, 11A that Troy and I led. And I remember thinking when I did it like I really didn't think I'd finish it. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to go lead it as much as it's fun. And when it stops being fun, I'm going to come down. But then I'd end up finishing it out. So I thought, okay, maybe the same thing would happen. And then the third time, if you lead it again and see if you can enjoy it, or I'll go back up and clean it. And so remember you went up the first time and you're like, it's no good. It's no good. Like you, you, you did it on top rope and you enjoyed it. But that, this to me was the biggest trigger difference because if you're in a relationship or you're married, especially as long as 
we have been, there's something in, you know, you love each other, but there's something that's like you can just push each other's buttons or, you know, like there's, there's a little bit of ego that gets involved where if I say, hey, you should do it this way, it's right away. Like, no, no, no. And I know I do the same thing. If Victor says something, I tend to play devil's advocate. No, it's not that. Even though we, we know darn well that, that I might be right. That it might be right. Yeah. Right. And so he gets to that point after the first climb. And I said, okay, you're going to lead it. He's like, no way. I'm not leading it. That's just, it was, did you see how hard it was? Like, I think you can like, just lead, just like we, we even you basically set it said up. Lead, lead and sit at each bowl to recover. And I was like, oh, well, I could probably do that as opposed to, to, you know, climbing it in a certain way. Right. So think about it. we're tracking like rock climbing is a metaphor for life. And so that's why we're telling this story in so much detail is it literally is an expectation thing. The expectation sometimes, if you're really good at climbing, is to send something, which means you go all the way up without taking a fall or having to have anyone like hold you up on the rope and take take in the slack in the rope. But there's this huge gray area of climbing something on lead and getting to take a rest, being willing to fall. Uh, and one, the really the one that I'm working on, Isabel's working on, Jariah's working on, is just climbing something hard enough without the pressure to send it. It's like, just because Gabby is so good and she always wants to send everything. And we're like, we're not Gabby. We're, we're, we really have a lot less desire to be amazing at the sport, but we enjoy it. And so I said, yeah, on this route, I said, like, just stop at every bolt and just sit. Like, just just enjoy. And we're talking bolt to bolt six feet, maybe seven, yeah. six feet. Yeah, it's pretty and- closely bolted, which was which is another thing that that added it. And the interesting thing was um, when I first did it, first off, uh, pretty nervous because I, I was already projecting forward like, oh, exactly. she's going to want me to lead this. And so. Like I got more tired than I really should. And again, this is really easy grade. It really should, has no reason to. Um, but then when I started doing it the other way uh, on lead, um, taking the rope up and setting um, setting my uh, my draws, I realized like, oh, this is there's a lot to hold on to and I could take my time. And projecting is such a, a common, common... Um... Well, it increases anxiety for a lot of people when you're projecting forward what you're not even experiencing yet. But stop and think for a second. What are you doing in you, the listener, doing in just your regular life that's a function of projecting? I mean, whether it's with health, whether it's with fear of of illness out there right now, whether it's with money, whether it's with in your relationship, raising your kids. I mean, I think that one's the, the big one I see right now is this projecting of... Oh my goodness, I can't pull my kids out of school. They'll never get into a good college. They'll never have a successful career instead of like just being in the moment of does this serve me well right now? How many things do we outsource our um our safety and security to because we're projecting some failure or some hardship in the future? I know I did it. I mean, I used to have to have a certain house and a certain car and a certain status in order to project my worthiness, in order to project um, that my I was going to be able to keep my kids safe, in order to think that um, I would, I don't know, this like fear. Of, somebody said something yesterday on Instagram to me. We have this viral 
uh, real going. And so because it's viral, we end up with a lot of, you end up with support at first. And then it's like, if it stays viral for a few days, you get a bunch of haters. It seems like it attracts people with uh, anger management issues. And somebody said like, because it was about RV living and like, we're excited about having full hookups. It's a real, you're supposed to be stupid and funny on it. Anyways, the person's like, yeah, well, that's a depreciating asset that you only use once a month. And I thought, okay, first of all, we use our RV every day. (laughs) And second, like, who cares if it's a depreciating asset? Like, isn't the whole point of accumulating assets to have the money to go enjoy your life? I'm like, I'm not saying you should just go blow blow money on everything, but it's, it was so silly. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And that's the point, though. Like, we're projecting out, oh, I need this appreciating asset so that someday when I'm 65 and I retire, I, can I have a, a million dollars in the bank. And now, and now I have permission. Oh, wait, my body just fell apart. Now I don't can't even go do it. So it's important to to take that idea or that concept of projecting fear, projecting failure, projecting unworthiness, projecting um, whatever the things are, like, if you're going to project, at least project out your desires, project out like, what are the things that I hope I get to check off my bucket list? Because when you, uh, when you're on the rock wall and I do it too, I'm like project, Oh, what's this? Where it was, it's almost irrational. Like the little bit of gain I made in climbing, it was because I'm like, just be in the moment, be present with what's happening right now. So Victor did that and he led all the way up the top. That was, yeah. The third one, I just, um, smoked it but again that's repetition um and so going back to a question you asked me what was my motivation first and foremost it was um (laughs) for my wife i i know uh climbing is going to be in our in our life for a very long time i'm like i gotta figure this out uh secondly was uh my own personal growth third was my my business because now i understand potentially how it could be linked to that manipura um that act bold and courageous uh, after talking to Robin, I realized like, Hey, I gotta be bold and courageous here as well too. And the last thing is it was for my kids. You know, I expect to be able to do this sport. You see people climbing for a very, very long time at a very, very high level. So I know if I can get over this, I'll be able to do something, some kind of activity with them for a very long time. I actually think it's a really good, great sport. Um, I just haven't I think I always tell Robin, there's only one way I learn slow. <laughs> that's He's a Virgo. Seems, what do we expect? That's, that's just the way I, I tend to, I've always been. And so I'm going to learn slow and steady, but ultimately I, I told her I would be the biggest advocate for getting people to do it as sort of a healing modality, not necessarily as a hobby. Too. And I think it's funny because Victor turns it right, right away into being the helper. I'm going to help other people. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can help people in other things, but in rock climbing, I it's want you to you. be selfish. It's just about you. You're not yeah. helping anybody. Else. Okay. No helping. Okay, Stop fine. helping. Anyway. Um, I think it was a really uh, <laughs> ironic that it was the last day, though. They made this because, unfortunately, we know we're not going to be climbing for a little while and probably two months since we're heading down to Florida. But, like, do you think there's things that you can do to help uh, kind of ingrain in your cells this feeling, this memory, because, you know, 
it's not going to be, the, this isn't the first time that you're like, oh, I climbed better and I, I love the sport again, only to two months later, go back. Yeah, and I I'm sure free. there's, it's always two steps forward, one step, one step back in great many sports. And so um, what it takes uh, is ultimately the continuing work on my mindset. Um, and then also having that sort of progressive, uh, progressive um, steps, you know, allowing myself to how do I put this? I'll get on the crag and I'm like, do you guys just do you? And if I happen to get in on something, I'm not going to say, Hey, I need about this grade. Uh, there's a climb over here. I want to do that. Can someone go take me over there so that I can do it three times to get that progressive, those progressive steps. So that ultimately is the sort of the projection that I need to do is to be a little more selfish in my development on it for the longest time. I'm like, Oh, I'll do whatever. Um, it's not important. It's not that important for me, but now I realize how it ties into my enjoyment of the situation as we continue to live this lifestyle. Yeah, that's, um, remember we talked to you guys about, uh, heart chakra in, in that series that we just wrapped up. And if you are a, a type two or one who tends to be an overgiver, you, and it, this is heart chakra, but also throat chakra, uh, you end up Oh no no! I I um, this is at least what Victor would do. He'd say, "Oh, I'm just here for you guys." But then he'd get a turn, and he'd be angry that he's not as capable as everybody else, or as much as he wants to be. And so he'd get angry that he's not good at climbing. And then, literally, this last time, we've he's like, "Oh, you guys do you 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 do you." And then eventually, before we left, I'm like, "You need to climb." Oh, it's okay, I'm fine. Like, no, 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 you need to go climb. We're gonna go and to like actually drag him to the wall and say like, "Hey, let's go." You're gonna yes. And so what happens is it's hard for you to um, be you, as in like the person who's the overgiver to you feel like oh if i'm assertive and if i like victor says it now he says okay next time i'm gonna say i want this he's not going to but what he can do is he would have to beforehand get the book and look through uh and and start marking like well if there's time these are the routes that look interesting to me because as a uh wife who could maybe be overreactive (laughs) in her anger I, I say like, you just make me get it, like create it for you. Why can't you take the initiative? So it's not a matter of even verbally requesting it. It's putting a little bit effort into the planning part for Mm -hmm. me. That would be like, Hey, just Mark. That's what I tell my kids. Hey, Mark, which route you want to do when we get, get somewhere. So I would expect the same thing. Let's go side note. Um, so we started free market capitalism when it comes to food, well, maybe it's not free market capitalism, but we started a new strategy for, for food in our family. I got tired of when when there's only five of us together, we always say, God, there's so much food. But all of a sudden there's when, and by five, it usually means Victor and Danny, for some reason, like if we're traveling somewhere, wouldn't be with us. And we're like, wow, there's such an abundance of food in our family. And then when Victor's here, it feels a little bit more competitive. And then when Danny gets here, it's like everybody's throwing elbows to get their fair share of everything. There's never leftovers. There's never enough food at dinner. There's never enough snacks. There's whining like you finish all, all of this. Blank, and, yeah. and so when, last time, because we were at by a Trader Joe's uh, in, in Red River Gorge, I said, okay, Everybody's going to go pick like 10 snacks, you know, do them 
three chips, four dried fruits, two things of nuts. Um, I kind of made it, I didn't really go as far as like everyone has $50 to spend because of my, my kids are pretty good about just the concept of like, everyone gets their own. You should have this first feeling of like, of like, okay, I have my, I have my amount that I feel spoiled. They did. They, at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so spoiled. Everyone got their own box of snacks. And we said, okay, you guys are allowed to, if you're hungry throughout the day, these are your things you can snack on, but this has to last you two weeks. Like you figure out how you want to use it. Some kids were like, I'm just going to, you know, have a few a few of each thing. Some kids were like dry as like, I'm going to eat all my peanuts in one day, all my chili mangoes in one day. But what happened was I said, you can't steal from each other's box. If I catch you stealing, you lose all, which is not at all free market capitalism, but you, you lose it all. But it was my uh, totalitarian mother coming out and being like, okay, look, it. I don't mind if you guys trade, like, or if you want to share, you just have to be nice and ask. And so it's worked out really, really good in this um, scenario that you have to just make the request. Like yesterday we went for a hike and Danny and Jariah were totally like, hey, let's share the bag of Takis or whatever they are, the Trader Joe's version of Takis that are still pretty unhealthy. For me, I love it because I don't eat as much. Because she's a squirrel. But I love that I just know that my snack is there when I want it. And so I like, ooh, I get to have like three of my plantain chips each night before bed. Or <laughs> I don't know why She's, I think of this. You're earlier. not lying. You're not lying. Three, I'm not. Three plantain chips. And then uh, Gabby and Isabel end up sharing some. And ta- it's just empowered everybody to feel a little bit more in control of their what resources. Their resources. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was a little side note. It's worked out really good. And um, I like that that they're bartering back and forth like, hey, I have a few dried apples left. Do you, do you want to share um, some of your, I don't know, walnuts? Who shares yeah. walnuts for everybody? And, and they feel very in control of those things. So total side note, really cool that Victor's climbing. I really hope that in two months when we're back on the wall in Wyoming that we have a similar story to, to share. share. Again, um, I think in the end, it really had nothing to do with the rock climbing. It's had everything to do yeah. with it. Every morning, Victor gets up, he does his meditation now, and he has like a willingness to break free of old patterns, even to the extent that he cut his hair and I had to catch myself because at first I was giving him a hard time. Like, it's like you have a mohawk now. And then he's like, yeah, but new haircut means new me. And he put his socks on differently <laughs> and all these things that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I like it. So just changing, changing things, hitting it, it from different be, Yeah, it has to be. I think dramatic. If you're trying to face, if you're coming up against something and you keep hitting a roadblock, you have to realize that there's a good chance it's just in, so deeply ingrained that your body's just replaying that past. And so I thought to myself, well, if I tie my shoes a little bit, I try my shoes with bunny ears, right? That's how I was taught. That's how I do it. So I'm like, uh, now I do the loop it and swoop it. I try to do that as often as possible. Be like, no, no, no. Mind. I'm in co- subconscious. I'm in control of this body. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. So if you're having that trouble, I think that helps. So meditation is sort of a cornerstone with that. Robin has this free chakra healing that I think I really use and it helps. It's extremely powerful. You can find it on the app. Yeah, it's on our app. But- no the link the in the pop 
in the show notes also has the full course. It's one week, seven days of chakra healing. Really the most powerful thing in there is the chakra meditations. Um, each day there's a 15-minute meditation for each chakra. That seems to be the thing that everybody uh, enjoys the most, but I do have in there with the course, there's... Um, Worksheets journaling prompts that are really important um there's some activities there's some really yummy recipes for each chakra yoga poses that help unlock each chakra because if you have any lower body issues like hips or sorry not hips uh knees ankles legs that is almost a hundred percent of the time related to a root chakra issue um, same with low back, low is a root chakra. If you have any hip issues, it's sacral chakra. If you have any lung issues or um, breathing issues or heart issues, it's heart chakra. Um, if you have uh, digestive problems, it's almost always solar plexus. Of course, uh, we've talked about any like headaches is, is definitely related to third eye chakra. So there is so much, so much in there. I know a lot of people go, oh, I can't, it's a week to get through it all. But like, you can cycle back through. That's why yeah, I, you I think know, that's made a big difference for you. Self-guided, self-guided through all this is pretty powerful. Of You know, I think I've cycled through now, the, working on my third time. And each time I take something a little different, um, I prompt, make a couple notes mentally, and then actually take it to my phone and go, all right, this is what I'm going to work on right now. Um, plus, com- combining that with some... Dr. Joe is stuff has been pretty powerful for me. So to wrap up, the other thing I wanted to say is that it seems like, oh, why are you so hard on Victor? Why is it about Victor right now? The problem became in that you end up in a relationship with somebody for you start in the relationship with certain uh, qualities, certain desires, certain expectations. And I think what happens along the way is we start uh letting go or um, not wanting those desires as much or our desires change. And so while we always go like, I just don't get it. We didn't fight for the first 15 years of our marriage. And now we seem to be hitting heads a lot now that we're living in, you know, and it wasn't even just living in the RV because there was stuff beforehand that caused us to, to choose this lifestyle. But you end up getting to a point in a relationship where there's unsaid expectations or the expectations aren't being made clear. So I, I really encourage you if you're in a relationship to start by sitting down with the person and go, what do you expect out of me? What do you expect out of your own life? Where do you see us going? Because for so many years, Victor and I would go for walks at night and it would turn into arguments. And I would say like, I just, we don't have a common vision. He's like, what do you mean? We totally do. I'm like, no, we don't. I would feel like we didn't. Right. He would feel like, well, yeah, I feel like we're on the same page. And then it really took when we started um, writing out like specifics of like, where where are we going to actually be? Like, where's our fifth wheel going to be yeah. in, an, in a month, in a year? Are we gonna be in our fifth wheel? I think uh, this is goes back to this idea of these depreciating assets. Like we we put so much of our energy into owning a house and then your house, you're tied to that house. And then now you're tied to money and you don't have much freedom to just explore your own self, let alone explore any parts of the world. And if you if you really want a relationship to last, you have to have space. Like if if money if money is the driving force behind your relationship, you know, 
everything's every part of your day is about accumulating enough money so that you can get food on the table. I get it. That's important. But if it's all of it is about this sustaining your root chakra of I have shelter, I have food. Well, naturally, there's going to be some conflict in your relationship down the road, because even if you're not explicitly saying, I want something else out of life, your subconscious is telling you that it wants more out of life. And so it could even be like, I want more love and affection. I want more approval. I want more acceptance. I want more worthiness. I want all these other things. It might not be that you want to go travel to Red River Gorge or that you want a new car or you want, like there's wants are often feeling driven wants, not materialistic driven wants. And so I think it's really important. That's also where the Enneagram comes in. If you actually are one of the few that can test correctly, um, I pl- remember I told you play backwards, go through each Enneagram and be like, is this my core desire? Just reverse engineer it as opposed to test. Just go like, is perfectionism really important to me? Is being needed really important to me? Is achieving really important to me? Is knowledge, being, yeah, <laughs> knowledge, individualism. Okay. You can go through each one. They're all on the app, all this information and so much more is on the app. So thank you for sharing this today, Victor. And, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, we'll be, but maybe we'll be back tomorrow. Maybe we're on a roll now. We should be back tomorrow. All right, thank you guys. Bye.